Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While this wonderful presence of God is here, I just want to bring Sister Sister Lisa Beebe to the podium. I know she has a word from the Lord for us today. Those of you that know her, know her. She's been around here for a long time, but it was her husband that first called my husband. We didn't know them from Adam, and they're the reason. We say them and God are the reason we're in South Carolina. She's been a dear friend to me, and I'm so honored to be able to serve side by side with you. And what a wonderful woman. She's got four amazing children, all living for the Lord, involved in ministry. And I just want you to come and share from your heart. Take as long as you want to and give us what God has given you. Isn't she darling? Some people pay a lot of money for that. It's right, and I love it. When I first moved here, and she had that streak right there. It was just girls, except for one. But she had that streak right there, and I was like, man, I wish mine would be silver. So (laughs) she's a beautiful lady, so just take it. Thank you. I don't know how many of you saw my little mama post a picture of her on Facebook. She turned 87 the other day, and she's white-headed, completely white-headed. It's not that kind of ooky gray. (laughs) It's beautiful white hair, and I, I aspire to be like her and I am getting there. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being here. I'm, I tell you what, I'm going to let you be seated because I'm going to talk. I'm going to say something before I talk. <laughs> That's what my pastor used to say. I got some things I want to say before I talk. And, um, um, sister Gann was sharing a little bit of her story and, uh, uh, it's interesting that you talked about uh, grandparents and great-grandparents and how that we are leaving a heritage. And I, I know that cut through Facebook, a lot of you know that last week my father-in-law uh, went home to be with the Lord. In September, my mother-in-law had gone home to be with the Lord. We lost, my husband lost both of his parents within five months. Very, very difficult time. But they've left behind some things that's going to live on. <laughs> It's going to live on through us. It's going to live on through our children. And I am blessed and fortunate to be first-generation Pentecost. But I have some grandchildren that are fifth-generation Pentecost. (laughs) Sister Sanders, our babies are uh, living for the Lord, working for God. My oldest son and Sister Sanders' uh, youngest daughter uh, got married many years ago and blessed us with two beautiful grandchildren, Natalie and Logan. And they are missionaries to the country of Andorra. And um, they, they never have had a church with the United Pentecostal Church within the borders of the country of Andorra. So uh, a couple of years ago, we went there for Thanksgiving and uh, celebrated with Corey and Dawn. I think it was Christmas. I don't remember. We went there. Anyway, um, and we baptized, my husband and Corey baptized the first person ever baptized in Jesus' name on the soil of Andorra. Isn't that awesome? I'm a first-generation Pentecostal. You have no idea.
idea right now what God is going to do in your life. You have no idea the plans that he has for you. God has been good and God has revealed some things to me and I pass it on to my children and my husband has passed it on to our children and I'm so thankful for that. Um, then our, our second son just got voted in is the Florida youth president. I don't know if y'all saw that, but I'm, I'm like, whoa, how that happened a few years ago. I just wanted to be saved. And now he's doing, doing a great work for the Lord. And Caleb, our, our youngest son is in St. Louis, Missouri with brother uh, Tom Trimble doing a great work, working with their youth there. And my baby girl is here today. The last one standing. (laughs) She's not going anywhere in Jesus name. She is not going anywhere. So I need her. So that's kind of a, anyway, we moved to South Carolina in 1992. We have pastored in the Greer area now for 29 years. And uh, it's been a roller coaster ride. There have been days where I thought this was the greatest thing. And there have been days when I said, let's quit. <laughs> I just, you know, just a few, very few that I wanted to quit, but there have been a few days. Um, many years ago, my grandmother passed away. My, my I'm sorry, my great grandmother passed away and I was at my grandmother's house and I've shared this with my Sunday school class. So y'all, here we go. You'll hear it again. But, um, <clears throat> I was looking at some pictures and I found a picture of my like 90 year old great grandmother getting baptized. And I thought, I wonder, why is she getting baptized at such a late uh, time in her life? And so I went to my grandmother, my grandma Love Lady. Isn't that an awesome name? But um, she was a lovely lady. But anyway, I said, Grandma, why is my grandma Dolly getting baptized at such a late time in her life? And she said, well, she was not satisfied with her baptism. And so she was rebaptized. And I thought, hmm. I went and took the picture and I showed it to my husband and I said, I think my grandma Dolly may have got baptized in Jesus name. And he said, what makes you think that? I said, well, I, I just, I, I just think maybe she did. So, uh, then my grandmother passed away. My mom gave me all the Bibles and they think I need them. They gave me all the Bibles. <laughs> Gonna get this girl straightened out. Um, all the songbooks that belonged to my grandmother, my great grandmother, and I opened up one of those um, songbooks, Sister Gann, and on the front cover it said, "The First United Pentecostal Church of Hodge, Louisiana." Woo! I shouted. I told my husband, "It was in Jesus' name." She got baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of her sins. But I said all that to say this: she started praying. My great-grandmother started praying, and my mother did not receive the Holy Ghost. My grandmother did not receive the Holy Ghost, but I did. And I got baptized in Jesus' name because of a praying grandma. So don't give up on those grandbabies and those children and those that are outside the ark of safety. You keep praying for them. You have no idea. Your prayers will go on long after you go on. They're stored up in heaven, and he's going to do something great for you. Um, I want to speak to y'all this morning or this afternoon now. I don't know if you want to read along with me, but I, I, uh, it just blows my mind every time um, I get an opportunity to speak and there's two or three ladies on the program. It's like everything just fits together. 
I don't think that's an accident. And several things that Sister Gann said, you're going to hear repeated again. And, um, but that's okay. God sometimes has to say something to me two and three and four times before I say, oh, hello, I got it. And so you're going to get it, I hope. If you will, why don't we stand together? I I just kind of like standing for the reading of the word. I am not sick, but I've got this frog in my throat. Um, We did a lot of crying last week and um, the weather in Louisiana, if you don't like it, just hang around. It'll change in a few minutes. And it was cold one day, hot next day, and raining one day. And so I've got this little creep thing going on. So y'all pray for me. I hope I don't sound like a man. But anyway, <laughs> I asked my husband, did I, I sound like a man? He said, no. There's nothing manly about you. <laughs> I am all girl. <laughs> anyway, when he needs help with something, he does not call me. Anyway, First uh, Kings chapter 19, verses 7 through 14. And uh, I'm going to, it's kind of a lengthy reading, but I'll try to be quick. And he came thither unto a cave. This is talking about Elijah. Now, what, what you have to know is, is the previous verses uh, to, in this uh, chapter 18, I believe. Uh, it talks about when um, Elijah uh, taunted, made fun of the uh, prophets of Baal. And they, they made the altar poured the water on the altar. The Lord came down, answered Elijah's prayer, and he commanded them to slay all the prophets of Baal afterwards. And so that didn't really set well with um, Jezebel. That didn't really set well with uh, Ahab. And Jezebel sent word to Elijah that she, within 24 hours, she was going to have his head. She was going to take his life. So, and it came, and he came thither unto a cave. He started running and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts, for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I Only I, even I only am left. Anybody ever been there? I did everything I was supposed to do. And now here I stand all alone in trouble. And only I am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and a strong wind rent the mountains and break into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after that, an earthquake, after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still small voice. A while ago, Sister Gann made reference to a still small voice. And I thought, oh yes, I'm on key. And it was, and it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out. And he stood in the entering of the cave and behold, there came a voice unto him that said, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord. Now, see, he didn't just tell God once. He had to tell God twice. I I did what I was supposed to do. I was being obedient and I was doing what you wanted me to do. And now I'm in trouble. So he he tells him again, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. I want you to get the picture this afternoon. The prophet Elijah was very zealous for the Lord and he had commanded that the prophets of Baal be slain and killed and now he's running for his life 
This didn't sit well with Jezebel and Ahab. They sent out a word that they would take his life. She threatened him, this mighty man, this prophet of God who had, used, who had been used to perform so many miracles became fearful and began to run for his life. The scripture I just read says he made his way to a cave and began to go over in his mind over and over and over again the terrible injustices that had been done to him and he began to tell God about it, how badly he was treated and how he felt all alone any ever anybody ever been there loneliness is a terrible place we're gonna pray and then I'm gonna get into this and I know the Lord is gonna to minister to somebody here I was in my bed last night and I felt the Lord tell me that somebody is gonna get victory today somebody's gonna get the the, the battles gonna be won in your mind today in Jesus name let's go to the Lord Lord I thank you for these ladies I thank you for this word I thank you God that you are with us you are for us you are not against us no weapon formed against us shall prosper we put our hand in your hand today God we trust in you we are listening for that still small voice as you speak to us God I believe Lord with all my heart you're going to minister to broken hearts Lord to those that feel lonely those that feel left out those that feel overlooked in the name of Jesus I ask you Lord to minister in this place touch my mind my words my thoughts in Jesus name you can be seated <clears throat> you can be seated have you ever felt all alone have you ever felt like no one cared if you lived or died? I, I think we've all been there at, at one time or another. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why so much pain? You know, I'm trying to do what you asked me to do. Why so much sadness? Uh, Elijah felt forgotten. He felt forsaken. He felt alone. He was running from Ahab. He was running from Jezebel. He winds up in this cave. And then God comes to him and wants to know, why are you afraid? Why are you here? And Elijah replies, I even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. I know that we're all very uh, familiar with the word isolation. I hate all these new words that we have. Social distancing, isolation, uh, uh, Quarantine. There you go. I, I, I knew I, there was some more. Just over and over again. That's all we've heard lately. But, um, you know, isolation is a very terrible place. You don't ever need to isolate yourself away from the house of God, from the people of God. There's safety in the house of God. And, and he doesn't, he, he knows that, he remembers that, but he's running for his life. And as I speak to you this afternoon, I'm not speaking about a geographical location in a room or in your house all by yourself that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about feeling all alone in the world therapists have said that it's not the place of isolation that gets to people but it's the perception of being alone it's too quiet when we're alone it's it's your, your mind just gets to playing tricks on you and you start rehearsing all the the injustices and the bad things and the hurtful things and the and the death and the sickness and the pain just goes over and over and over in our minds but I've come to tell you today you are never alone right. he said I will never leave you nor forsake you I am a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and he does 
come to us in our time of need. Therapists have said it's not the place of isolation, but the perception of being all alone. But I've come to tell you today, he is with us. God sees and knows all things, and he knows exactly how to minister to you, how to minister to me. He knows how to heal our wounds. He sees us. He has not left us alone. I love what Job said when he was going through a terrible period and feeling alone. Can you imagine? It's been hurtful. It's been painful to lose two people in the last five months that we love very much, but he lost everybody, children, cattle, houses, land, um, you know, he lost everything. And this is what he wrote in, um, or spoke in Job 23 verses eight through 10. Behold, I go forward and he is not there and backward, but I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him, but he knoweth the way that I take and when he hath tried me I shall come forth as gold somebody say I'll come forth as gold he's there he's an ever present help and I love this and this is what I've titled my thought today he knows the way that I take perception of isolation is what does the damage the most uh, physiologically to the brain and to the spirit Elijah says I'm alone I'm all by myself in this thing uh, we talk big when we're around a lot of people most of us do there's a few people that will give you a long list of their woes and troubles and trials and you're you walk away saying I'm sorry I asked but uh, but most of us we get in a group of people and we say I'm blessed to the Lord all is well. God is good. God's been faithful. I got my head up. I got the victory. I got it going on. And on the inside, you're dying and you're feeling that loneliness. That's all nice in public, but I want to ask you today, what are you and who are you when you're all alone? When nobody's looking, when nobody is there to listen. Today, God wants to get deep down into where nobody is looking. Are y'all willing to let him go there? We need to let him go down into the deep rest recesses of our hearts and our minds and minister to us. He wants to do that. Your vulnerabilities, your insecurities. This does not negate the fact that you can sing like an angel. And some of you can. Or you might be able to preach the paint off the walls. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I I'm not talking about your talents. That's not what I'm talking about. We, we can all get up here and, and sing and be dying on the inside. Preachers can get up and preach and be hurting so bad that they, they, they want to even expose it at times and they know it's not the place nor the time. I know that in, in our own lives, we've been going through difficult times and it amazes me how my husband can get up and preach the word, put that on the back burner and minister to people that are hurting while he's hurting himself. And we've all been there. It doesn't negate the fact that you have talent. I'm not talking about your gifts, your talents, your calling, but the real you. The one that says, I feel alone. You can sense it in his words. I shouldn't have to go through this. Even I have to go through this. Why me? You know, God, I've tried to do it right. The problem or this situation is not my doing. I'm the innocent party here. 
Anybody ever felt that way? I, I'm an innocent party here. I, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just trying to go through life. I'm just trying to, to go, you know, take care of my children, take care of my husband, take care of my home, take care of what I need to do at church, put a smile on my face. This is not my doing, but yet I'm hurting and I feel all alone and I feel like you have forsaken me. You can sense in his words the anguish that he felt, but God doesn't pay any attention to that. <laughs> he doesn't and I know you pick up your phone your girlfriend and say I feel you sister I know what you're going through I've been there I've done it but God doesn't entertain that he does not respond to murmuring he does not respond to complaining he does not respond to our whining and going to him and say but God they did me wrong I'm hurt he responds to faith you got to get up off that floor you got to say you are my God I'm going on with you Lord I don't whatever they do to me I'm going to continue to serve you to work for you to do that that's right and pleasing in your sight that never makes God sit up and listen he never responds to your seeking pity <laughs> I used to have a girlfriend and somebody in here knows her and she's they don't know who I'm talking about but she she really wanted to get married she really wanted to get married <laughs> and she was so pitiful <laughs> and I said you know what there ain't a man on the face of this earth that likes pity he's not gonna feel sorry for you you better get let go of that pity and feeling sorry for yourself because that is not attractive I don't care who you are if you're 18 or you're almost well I'm gonna tell y'all how old I am I'll keep that to myself people want to to greet people people want to be associated with people that are positive and you know you can pour your heart out to God and yes God does listen but what gets his attention is when you say I'm getting up I'm gonna pull myself up by the bootstraps I'm going on for Jesus no matter what comes my way and uh, so anyway and we dismiss the idea that God could place us in a cave all alone we say that you know that I don't deserve that. I, I don't need to be in a cave all by myself. I need, I need to get out there and be with the people. And God says, I'm going to speak to you. And I've got you here for a specific reason. And God does speak to him. And God can direct us and minister to us, even in this place, with that still, small voice. When all the noise is gone. And he was, he was wa wanting to get that pat on the back, I think. <laughs> I think that um, Elijah was hoping God would just pat him on the back and say, you know, you have been done wrong. You poor pitiful thing. I'm so sorry for you. Come on, let, let daddy love on you. But that's not what he did. He said, get up, get up. Let me tell you something. If <laughs> I'm sorry. If, if you and I learn how to hear the still small voice, we can come out of that cave with more than we ever had when we went into it. <clears throat> When we are able to heal, hear that still, small voice as he whispers to us after all the uproar is gone, after the storm passes over, Sister Gan, after the clouds dissipate, he will speak to us. I can't tell you how many times I have avoided the tempter's snare because of that still, small voice. I've often escaped heartache and pain because of a little voice that said, don't go there. Don't say that. Don't don't react that way. Don't comment on Facebook. How many times I've got it all lined out there and then I go, delete, 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 delete. I ought 
not be on here doing this. So I don't, I don't do it. I don't do it. I got a lot of clever things to say. Y'all can see me in person. I might tell you, but anyway, I, but I'm not putting it out there for the world to see. I will not put my pity party out in this on Facebook and then go try to witness to a coworker and talk about how good my God is. When I've been on Facebook telling how terrible my life is, Woo, that gets on my last nerve. I'm sorry. I'm going I'm, I'm to behave here, but you know, it, Hey, we need to hear that. If you're depressed, call your girlfriend, call your pastor, call Jesus, but don't get on Facebook and say, I'm so depressed. My life is so horrible. Who's going to want to listen when you sit them down to tell the truth to them and witness of God's goodness? We can get so busy telling our story to whoever will listen, trying to get them to understand our pain, and we miss what God is trying to say to us. Twice Elijah tells God, I'm all alone. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. <laughs> I'm going to go eat some worms. No, he didn't say that. But anyway, um, I did everything right, and I've been wronged, so desperately wronged. Do you think God needed Elijah to remind him of that story? God knows. He didn't need Elijah to tell him this story over and over again. Do you think God missed seeing and hearing what was done to you? He saw it. He heard it. He felt for you, but he doesn't want you to live there. God saw what happened in your life. God sees what's happening in your marriage. God sees you in your home at night when you're by yourself and you wet that pillow with your tears. God sees all of that and he knows. He knows you that have got backslidden children. He sees the anguish. He sees the pain. He hears your prayer and he is going to speak to you today and he's going to give you a word of encouragement and you're going to go on and you're going to continue to do the things of the Lord. Finally, when Elijah shuts up, sometimes we just need to shut up. I, I know that sounds strong and maybe even sounds rude but sometimes we need to shut up quit telling it over and over again I'm not sure who I'm talking to today but I've come to tell someone that he's got you here because there's something he wants to tell you I believe that's why Elijah was in that cave in the first place. God put him there because there was something he wanted to tell him and I'm gonna get to that in a minute your life has been too busy it's too loud. It's too rambunctious. You need to stop. You need to get alone with God in a prayer room and ask the Lord to put your mind right again. I, I do that all the time. I heard Jeff Arnold say this, and I've said this a hundred times in, in home, and so y'all just have to bear with me. But if, if you ever see me in church and I got my mind just going, 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 thinking of what I need to do, thinking of what happened, thinking of what, what's going to happen and what's next, and, and finally I'll just feel, realize I am not engaged in this service at all. My mind is all over the place, and I just... Jeff Arnold said he'd just take his hand, lay it on his hand and said, Lord, bring my thoughts under submission, under subjection to you and to your word and help me to quit thinking about all these things that don't matter. I do it all the time. If you go to the house of God and you sit there in your seat and you just think about your bank account, you just think about what, all the things that you need to do when you think about um, the, the backslidden children and you've got your mind on all these negatives and, and who came to church as a pastor's wife, I'll speak for us, who came to church and who didn't, <laughs> who left their Sunday school empty. 
and you're like, wait a minute, somebody's, you know, and all these things go through your mind and you start looking inward and you, you, you stop looking to God and God says, sometimes we need to shut up all that noise. And, and so sometimes we chase after the fire. We think that's where God's going to be. He's going to be in something big and boisterous. He's going to be in the lightning. He's going to be in the thunder, but God wasn't in any of it. Let him speak to you right now. Let him whisper in your ear today. God is whispering in the ear of, I'm going to say every one of us right now. If you have an ear to hear, he is speaking to each and every one of us right now. We need to humble ourselves. We need to steady ourselves. We need to steal ourselves. When trouble comes our way, we need to ask God, what are you trying to say to me? And why am I in this place? Why am I in this cave? The Bible says in Psalms 25 and 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. But you got to hush. You got to steal yourself. You got to settle down. You got to quit rehearsing it. You got to give it to God. God's got secrets to tell you. Secrets about your story. What he wants to do from here. But you're so worried about what happened back there that you cannot change. You cannot fix it. It's over. It's done with. Put it under the blood and go on. He's got secrets to tell you about your story, about your purpose in this world, about what he's about to do in your life. We need to listen and quit asking God why. A better question would be what? What are you trying to show me? What have I missed? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to say to me? God, I have an ear to hear. Speak to me. Where to from here, Lord? Don't get bogged down. We've got to get our feet out of that mud and move on. Move on. They don't think about you at all. (laughs) They don't care that they hurt you. They're doing their own thing now. Move on. When Elijah got quiet, when he quit whining to God, I asked my husband, how do you spell? Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> neither, neither one of us were sure, but he was saying, wah, 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 wah. You know, I was doing good. I was doing good. I, you know, the fire came down from heaven. It consumed the sacrifice. All the water was licked up. I was the man of the hour. People were shouting, look at Elijah. And then all of a sudden, I'm running for my life. But he got quiet, finally. I'm all alone, and look at what they've tried to do to me. And he kept speaking to the Lord about that, and God just kept ignoring it. But after God did speak to him in that still, small voice, listen to this. After God spoke to Elijah, Elijah never mentions Ahab and Jezebel again. He got a word from God. He got a word from God. I'm going to get to what the word was. God can handle your enemy. I'm really not talking about people. Well, a little bit. Um, (laughs) I'm talking about situations. I'm talking about the enemy. I'm talking about the adversary. God can handle that. And and you turn it over to him and and don't speak of it. Don't give give more praise to the devil than you give to God. People are, the devil's been after me all day long. Yeah. Because you let him. You're supposed to rebuke him in the name of Jesus. You're supposed to say, get thee behind me, Satan. If he's after you, tell him to go away. Sister Ford, get your broom out. 
I tell her story all the time because I love it. She said, when the enemy comes in my house, starts messing with my mind, I open up that back door, I get my broom out and I say, out with you today. Y'all don't have to put up with it. You do not have to put up with it. God is for you. God is not against you. You never have to speak about that Jezebel or that Ahab again. I came to tell someone, God's got your Jezebel. He's got her in his hands. God can handle your isolation. God can handle your anxiety. God can deal with this problem if you will let him. Look back and see how many times God has come to your rescue. How many times? There are too many to mention. And how many of the times that we don't even know that God spared us when we were on the highway or, or God delivered us out of a relationship or a situation that could have been destructive, that could have destroyed us, that could have taken us out of this life. But God has protected us. God can handle your enemy. God can deal with your problem. No matter the obstacle, you can overcome. God is writing your story. And if the enemy could take you out, he would have done it a long time ago. Jezebel had threatened and told him, I think it's interesting that she said about this time tomorrow. So what she told him is within 24 hours, I'm going to have your head. When Jesus comes, or when God comes to him in that still small voice, it had been 40 days. What was he fretting about? (laughs) He could have, you know, what was he fretting about? 40 days later, he's still alive. God preserved him. God took care of him. Day after day, the enemy comes after you. But let me tell you, the Lord may put you in a time out. Time out. God's going to put some of us in time out so he can speak to us. You don't understand this time out. You don't understand this isolation. You don't understand this feeling of being alone. But if you will listen, God will give you the reason Well, I say that, you know, God doesn't always tell us why, but you're going to get some clarity. You're going to get some wisdom. You're going to get some direction. If you'll let the Lord speak to you and his time of isolation, uh, he'll place you in a cave or your time of isolation so that he can change your perspective and so that he can speak to you. We have to quit talking about all we've been through and how bad it's been and how hurt we are. But if you'll listen, he will speak. He will lead you into your future and away from your history. God is writing your story, not the enemy. He has no power over you except the power that you give him right here. He has no power over you. And God doesn't talk to him about his past at all. It's as if he didn't even say it. He didn't say, sit down and let me talk to you about all this. And let me give you words of encouragement. He didn't do any of that. First Kings 19, 15 and 16. And the Lord said unto him, go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be the king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be the king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of somewhere, shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. He takes Elijah out of the cave, Sister Gann, and he delivers him to kings or would-be kings. What a difference. He's running for his life and he gets a still, small voice, whisper, word from God. And he knows exactly what to do. God tells him exactly where to from here. And so he comes out of there and he begins to anoint. He has his hand on Elijah. And when Elijah shuts up with his whining, his complaining, his fussing at God, he takes him out of the cave 
into the kings. He came out of his cave. He came uh, out of his storm, his dilemma, dilemma with a greater anointing than he had ever had before. I might get ahead of myself a little bit here, but I, I know uh, several years ago, my husband and I probably went through the most difficult trial in our church history. Now, our marriage wasn't in trouble, so don't nobody go worrying about that. And, you know, our marriage wasn't in trouble. Our kids weren't in trouble. It was church trouble. And pretty much everybody that goes to our church that was with us then, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm not going to rehearse it. I, I have uh, got the victory over it. But the pain, the, the I, I don't understand why are we going through this. And, and, and I cried bucket loads and bucket loads of tears and, and and I kept looking in the word of God. I got out the Bible and I would, I would try to highlight and write down every scripture that applied to what I was feeling and what I was thinking. And I would I'd take, go in my bedroom and I would I'd put these, uh, or my, my bath, the bathroom attached to my bedroom and I would put these sticky notes all over the mirror. My husband come home one day and he said, what in the world? Are we having a Bible study while we brush our teeth? And I'm like, yes, we are. We're going we're gonna to get over this thing. We're going to get past this thing. And I knew there was only two things that we could do that. And that was prayer and the word of God. And, and, you know, just keep hanging on and just keep putting one foot in front of the other and not giving up. But I got, I was guilty. Wasn't I, Sister April? Of rehearsing it. It's all I could talk about. It's all I could think about. I'd lay in bed at night. I couldn't sleep because I was just torn up over this. I, I just, I didn't know. I, I, we didn't know what the next step was going to be. We didn't know how it was going to end up. We didn't know what direction uh, our, our church, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm being totally transparent. That was the first time in, in because of probably about 20, 24 years we had been there that I said, I'm ready to quit. I begged my husband, sister, again, I laid on the floor in my bedroom praying, asking God to help me. And I said, please, let's just don't do this anymore. I don't want to be on this roller coaster. I don't want to, to love people and then for them to walk away and basically almost, you know, they don't say goodbye. They don't say thank you. Thank you for everything. They, just, they don't say kiss my foot. They're just gone. And they rip out a part of your heart. And I was hurting and I wanted to quit. And I kept rehearsing it. And when I wasn't going over it with my husband, I was going over it with my grown kids. And I was saying, but this and, th and this, and I don't know what to do about that. And, and I told sister April, oh Lord, hours we talked on the phone that she would try to encourage me. And, and I, I, I'm just being transparent. Okay. I'm a pastor's wife, but I experienced hurt and I experienced loneliness too yes. and I just kept telling God about it and telling God about it and one night I was laying in my bed and I could not sleep and it was one o'clock it was two o'clock it was three o'clock and I have a little patio out back and has a little cover over it and it must have been summertime. I don't even remember now. And I, I took my phone out there and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type in Pentecostal preaching or apostolic preaching. And, and I'm going to let something minister to me. I mean, you know, <laughs> crickets and, you know, all the outside noise. And, and um, anyway, I, I, I pull that up. I'm in my pajamas, you know. <laughs> Anyway, and, and, and I go to this message, and uh, my husband and I have a favorite preacher. You'll know him, Jerry Wayne Dillon from Mississippi, and, and we just we love his style of preaching. My husband preaches a lot like him. He preaches like his hair is on fire, and, you know, he's just wild and crazy, and he does. He's crazy, and, but, but he ministers to me. I get it. I get him because my husband preaches kind of like the same way. So anyway, um, I, I, I turn that on, and I, I'm like 10 minutes into it, and I hear the back door open, and here comes my husband, and he's like, I uh, 
um, I looked for you beside me. You weren't there. He's kind of like Job. I looked to the left. You weren't there. I looked to the right. You weren't there. He went in the spare bedroom. He thought that, you know, I tossed and turned so much. Maybe I went somewhere so he could get some rest. And he said, I even went out to the driveway to see if you'd left me. And I, I didn't leave him. Anyway, my car was still there. And he was relieved. But anyway, he, he don't know who's going to make coffee in the morning. So anyway, um, so I'm out there. And uh, yeah, I kind of wait on him hand and foot. He's, he's rather spoiled. But anyway, um, I'm out there listening. Um, and he came in and he said, beside me and I'm going to tell you what the only thing that was in that message that did not apply to us is he did not use our names he did not say Dale and Lisa BB I see what you're going through but every word every single word he spoke touched me got a hold of me put me back on a right track that still small voice he had no idea that when he posted that on YouTube or wherever that it was going to go all the way to South Carolina he was going to minister to a pastor and his wife that were hurting and uh, that night we, we received healing on our back porch on our back patio but anyway I, I hope you can handle this word that you're about to receive there's there's a small voice a still small voice reaching for you today I, I feel I do I see tears in this room so I feel your anguish I feel your pain because I have been there myself I know what it's like to feel hurt I know what it's like to feel all alone and there's thousands of people all around you hundreds of people I um some some time ago long time ago this before the that was the great storm but this was before the great storm I was in Walmart one day and things had been going bad and I was watching a mother pushing her children in a shopping cart and I know this was of the enemy, I know it was, but in my mind I said, I wish I could trade places. I just want to be an ordinary woman who takes care of my wife, my husband, my children and just goes through life. But God has called us to something else and I cannot be that that's not who God wants me to be. I can't trade places with anybody. I'm walking in these shoes today because these are the shoes that God said I had to walk in. And I am thankful and I am blessed and I love my church and I've got several of my girls here today and they know that I love them and, and really um, I talk about a few painful situations along the way but the greatest thing we ever did was move our family from Louisiana to South Carolina and start a church and I am so thankful. I am so thankful for the blessing and the keeping power of God anyway I know we're all sick and tired of being in isolation I know we're all sick and tired of being in trouble this pandemic death I feel like death is all around us Sister Gann said she's lost four family members. We've, we've lost people too. Um, my my in-laws did not die of COVID. Um, my mother-in-law died of bone cancer. My father-in-law could not live without her. That's all it was. He was gone five months after she was gone. So death is all around us. Anybody? I don't know if there's anybody in this room that had been touched by it through all this time of isolation, this time of trouble. And, and I don't know about you, but I wish they'd make up their mind. <laughs> I need a tissue, Sister Dan. Um, uh, I wish they'd make up their mind. I don't know if we're supposed to put the mask on, take the mask off. I don't know if we're supposed to stand, uh, you know, walk with it on to the to the seat. I don't know if we're supposed to uh, 
isolate. I don't know if we're supposed to social distance. I don't know if we're supposed to get a vaccination, not get a vaccination. I, I don't know, but they just keep giving us all this stuff and every day it changes. And you know what? I have zero confidence in the CDC. I have zero confidence in Fauci. I have zero confidence in our government, but I have all the confidence in the world in my God. And he is going to see us through this situation. He has not forgotten where we are. He sees us in that cave. He sees us in this moment of isolation and he loves us and he cares and he wants to speak to someone and he wants to tell someone what's next today and where to from here. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't know if I'm going to stay home, if I'm going to wash my hands 40 times, five times, sing happy birthday, do the ABCs while I wash my hands, keep my distance. But I'm just, sometimes I just want to say these thousands of voices. I want to say, shut up. I need to hear from God. <laughs> Sorry. I used to tell my kids not to say shut up. And, and my boys would say, Mama, Corey said the SH word. And I said, quit saying that because people don't think it's really bad words. It was shut up. You know, don't say that. Anyway, um, so I know I'm saying shut up a lot, but we need to tell the devil shut up. Somebody say shut up, devil. I'm not listening to it anymore. And I am sick to death of my own voice rehearsing my problems, my woes, my sicknesses, my fears, my doubts. I'm going to start talking faith. I'm going to start talking the word of God. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start seeking after you and your will for my life. Shut up, devil. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. It seems like the devil's always shouting. And God says, I'm going to whisper. I'm going to whisper. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you where to from here. <laughs> Elijah, what doest thou here? God just was just kind of baffled. Why are you even here? Why are you in this place? You know that I called you. You know that I've used you. You know the miracles that have taken place at your hand. You know I have not forgotten you. Some of you say, I used to do this and I used to do that. And there was a time where I shouted and I danced and I prayed for people in the altar. We need to go back to that. Just because we went through a rough time doesn't mean that God cannot use us. Just because we've had hurt and pain, it's part of living. It's the cycle of life and it happens. And we have hurt. We have disappointment. And I don't want to minimize what you're feeling today. That's not my goal. My goal is to say where to from here. God, speak to me. I need that still small voice to give me direction. I want to hear what thus saith the Lord. Sometimes we think it's in a big revival. Oh, I'm going to go to revival and God's going to give me a word. Or we say, I'm going to go to camp meeting and that's where it's going to be. And the prophet is coming. You know, when you have that one person that comes to your church that calls everybody out and the prophet is coming. I'm going to get my word from God. I'm going to get my thus saith the Lord. You got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. It's a still small voice. And probably where you're going to get that direction is going to be in a prayer closet. It's not going to be a camp meeting. It's not going to be at youth Congress. That's all the hyper emotional times and they're exciting and they're fun. But God wants to speak to somebody here today in this setting, in this room. We don't have a prophet here today. I'm not the prophet or the daughter of a prophet. I'm just me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the thing about it is that's not where you get. I, I tell you what, I've gotten more answers in Bible study, yeah. reading the word myself yeah. for myself. And I've gotten more answers in a prayer closet. Uh, no, no offense. Then over the pulpit from preaching. 
Preaching has got me back on track. I'm, I'm not, I, I do not minimize. I love preaching. I listen to preaching all the time. But the, some of the greatest things that's ever happened to me was in prayer. It's when God spoke to me and God told me, quit rehearsing it. I told the Lord I would, I would go to church and I would pray and I would rehearse what was going on, what was going on, what was going on. Saying, Lord, Lord don't, don't let me be bitter. Don't let me be bitter. Help me to forgive. Help me to let go. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And one day God said, I tell you what, I'll do that if you'll quit talking about it. Uh-huh. That's it. But I wanted to tell Sister again. He said, I said, quit talking about it. When you say I'm for, I, I forgive that person, I am not bitter, you need to stop talking about it. Because you're still talking about it, you're still bitter. You're still bitter. And I told my husband uh, not too long ago, you know, I'm never speaking of that again. I speak of it in generalities. I do not speak about it specifically because it's over. It's done with. It's under the blood. And God has given me direction. Since that time, since that greatest storm, there's people here from our church. The windows of heaven have opened up like you would not believe. You would not believe. We're walking in a different anointing than we have ever walked in before. There's, we've had more powerful services. We have more giving. We have visitors. Um, some, we were gone this weekend because my father-in-law had passed away. And somebody called and said, hey, we had a ton of visitors again today. He said, come on out of that cave. You're going to lay your hands on the next king of, of Israel. You're going to lay your hands on the next king of Judah. You're going you're gonna to have Elisha that's going to come along beside you. And he's going to help you to bear that weight. And we have great people in our church. And we have for many, many years, we have great people that help us. But God sent us extra help, more people, more families that are, that are teaching, that are working, that are helping us grow. It, you got to go through the wilderness <laughs> to get to that place and that anointing. And, you know, I think about Jesus when he went into the wilderness for 40 days. He's God in the flesh. He's all powerful. But he came out with an activated anointing where he started laying hands on people and he started speaking to devils and he started healing the lame and, and healing the blind and opening deaf ears. But he went through the wilderness and we want to get a, a hall pass. We want to skip through that wilderness. We don't want to do that. But I'm telling you today, that still small voice wants to speak to you in this place. And he wants you to understand what you're going through. Your cave is preparation for the next step and the next anointing in your life. Yes, let's give the Lord a hand. He said to Elijah, what, are you, what doest thou here? God is asking us today, why are you still there? Why are you still in that same spot? I thought you laid that on the altar. I thought you forgave. I thought you let go of bitterness. I, I thought you were done with telling God what he needs to do. Because that's what we do. We're women. We like to tell everybody what to do. <laughs> you know, kids do this. Husband, do, You know, we like to tell people what to do. And we'd like to tell God what to do. But he says, stand still. Stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord. Y'all, let's stand together. I want to, I just, I just believe that I, I need to close right now. We got 15 minutes. And I, I need to, I need to stop. Because I want you to have an opportunity to come down here. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want every lady in this place, lift your hands up to the Lord. Ask God. Ask God right now God speak to me I am listening I am listening I, I, I know that I've been alone I know that I've been depressed and and uh, you know there's a there's a line in a song y'all just keep praying it says I want it all back y'all ever heard that song it says if you only knew what I was gonna be 
after the storm, right. you would not have bothered me. Right. And if the devil knew what you was going to come out of that cave and how you were going to react and the anointing that was going to rest upon you after you put your troubles and your trials under your feet, somebody lift your voice and ask the Lord, come, come near to me. The storm, the cave wasn't meant to destroy you. That's the word today. This storm is not meant to destroy you. It's meant to propel you into a brand new power and a brand new anointing. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 